know with faith it's impossible to please God because you have to believe that He exists. That is what faith is. We believe, but it's through grace. And, it's, and this is not from ourselves, and yet is, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Today, I want to remind you about who you are from this title, Grace. It's amazing. Can we pray quickly? So, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your grace. I pray that as we learn about grace, that we will get to understand what it really is and how it works in our lives. So, Father, I pray, do what only you can do. Encourage us through your word. Strengthen us. Equip us. We ask this in your name. Amen. What amazes you? How many of you guys have been amazed in your lives before? Hey? It's like um, when my wife walked down the aisle. It was amazing. Hey, it was the funniest. I don't know. Uh, for those who don't know, I, I cry. I'm a man. And I cry. I got tear ducts. God created me properly. But my wife, she walks down the aisle and she's so beautiful. And the only thing I can do is... Uh, she walks down the aisle. I think she was laughing at me. Like, ha ha, this guy. <laughs> Whatever. She was, she was bubbling. But um, that, that was, to me, that was something that was amazing. What, what, is ama what amazes you? Hey, you know, things that people do. Hey, it's like, like amazing. Um, we had the privilege of having a dining experience once. And what people can do with food, it's amazing. So we went to this one place and uh, I told my wife, hey, date night. We have to try everything. Um, as you can see, I'm not fussy when it comes to food. I don't know what would give that away. It's probably my nice beard. But um, I'm not fussy when it comes to food. But my wife and kids, they are picky eaters. Hey? They, they only eat certain things. So I, I, I make an appointment to go and have dinner with my wife at a restaurant. And it's this restaurant where you, you check on the website and they say, there is no set menu. You trust us to satisfy you. And I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm going to eat double. Because <laughs> I know my wife is not going to eat everything that they give us. So we arrive at this place. And th they have a menu written on a blackboard there. And they're like, okay, there's, it's a five-course meal. There's a, a bread starter. There is, um, what is it, chicken? No, not chicken. It was like fish. And um, when I got to the fish, I'm like, oh, yeah, if it's not hake, that's it. My wife is eating my breath mints. And um, after the fish, there was a, a beef, and then there was a lamb, and then there was a dessert. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is, this is my kind of place. But then I realized it's fine dining, so it's not my kind of place. <laughs> it's like really small. But so the, 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 everything comes out, and like the bread, and they give us like springbok carpaccio. I'm like, oh my gosh. What is that? It looks like sauce. Okay, it was divine. And, and we go through the menu. My, my wife gets hake. It's the only fish she eats. We're like, yes, my wife's not going to starve. And I go, my stomach's going, why? And, uh, 
but, but so, so it, was a, it was a lovely evening up until it got to the beef section. Because they come to us and they explain what it is before they serve it to you. And they put this thing down and they go, it is tongue. <laughs> I don't know how many of you guys love tongue. Okay, but I'm letting you know, I don't like tongue. I've had way too many like encounters with tongue to go, oh, I don't want that. I mean, like, we, we, we were at a family lunch, like Ali's family and my family, they're really close, so we get together, and there's this thing over there. I've never seen it before. I'm like, what is that? It's like, that is tongue. I'm like, that is a big cow. Like, what did that thing come out of a dinosaur? It was like, oh, and they like gave me some, and I'm like, oh, man. But this is the thing. Chefs have a particular skill. And, and we said before we got this, like, we've got to try it. And when it comes to food, I believe you've got to try everything at least twice. Because, you know, you can have a bad batch. So I go, okay, so here's the tongue, and I look at it, and it looks at me, and I'm going, okay, let's do this thing. I cut it, close my eyes, and I put it in my mouth, and I stop chewing. I open my eyes and I look at my wife and she goes, oh boy. And I swallow and I go, oh my gosh, that was amazing. <laughs> it is the first time I have ever tasted tongue that good. It tasted like steak. And, and, and like, I, I, I can't explain it. I will never try it by anybody else's house unless you're a chef. And you can do it like that. When it, if it doesn't look like that, I'm sorry. I will not. But, but we both went, that is amazing. Because there's a skill behind it. And I'm like, oh, that is so cool. But besides these amazing experiences, there are different things that amazes me as well. So our kids are in a primary school here in Durbanville, um, in Everdell Primary. And to get from our house to the school, you have to go down this one road called Eversdal Road. This leads to Glengarry, for those who know. But at the top of Everstall Road, on Durban Road, as you turn in, there is a mountain view that you see every morning. And it's different every morning. You know, we're always late. You know, we're never on time. So we look, it's always changing. But depending on the season, it looks different. In winter, we saw snow. Have you guys seen snow on a mountain? <gasps> It's amazing. Have you guys seen like the clouds hanging just under it and the sun comes up and it hits it? It's like, it's amazing. <laughs> now to some of you guys, you might be going, it's just a mountain. But you need to understand where I come from, there isn't, I'm a mountain. <laughs> if people want to see a mountain, they ride past my house like, hey, <laughs> it's like, there's a mountain. I'm like, no. You see, we, there, there are certain things we take for granted that other people look at and they go, that is amazing. And as we go through Ephesians, what we read through in chapter 2, Paul is trying to tell us that grace is amazing. For someone, it can be a first-time experience that has had a hopeless life that has failed so many times and have come to the knowledge of who Jesus is and they give their hearts to them, to, to God, and, he, and all that they can go is, grace is amazing. 
but it can also be for, for those that have been walking a road with Jesus for so long. And everybody will go, I'm so used to it. But then you look back and we sing the song, all my life you have been faithful. And God reminds us of everything that he's done in our lives, how he's brought us from one time to another season. And all we can go is, your grace is amazing. Because let me remind you something. If it weren't for grace, we wouldn't be here. That is everything. Grace is the thing that brought up, brings us here. If it wasn't for grace, we would all be starring in The Walking Dead. How many of you guys like zombie movies? Oh, I love zombies. It's the dumbest things ever. It's like these things can't run, but they catch everybody. <laughs> hey? I mean, I watched it. A fat guy got away for three seasons, and like all the fit guys, like, ah! But the Bible talks about zombies long before we had movies. Yeah, in Ephesians 2, verse 1, it says, You were dead in your trespasses, which means we were walking dead people. Up until verse 5, where Paul says, But we were made alive in Christ through grace. So come on. Grace is amazing. Because if it wasn't for grace, we wouldn't have any hope. If it wasn't for grace, there wouldn't actually be any life in us. And this is what Paul is trying to remind us, that grace is a person, not an idea or a concept. It's a person that came looking for us. We didn't have to search for grace, even though we were, but grace was Jesus that came looking for us. And that is what is amazing about grace. Grace pursues us even when we don't pursue grace. Grace is running after us even when we are running away from grace. And this is what we need to do is we need to understand exactly what grace is. And today we're going to try and unpack that because grace is the unmerited, undeserving, unearned kindness and favor of God. Such a long sentence that describes one word. But that's the only way we can do it. How would you describe your kids? Hey? They're amazing. They're the best. They're superstars. They drive me crazy. Now, and, you know, all these things. How, how, do, how do you describe your spouse? Yeah? yeah? <laughs> he's a saint. Oh, he's amazing. I'm married up. <laughs> but there is no other way we can describe who God is by using as many words as we can. It's undeserved, unmerited, unearned, kindness and favor of God. And today I want to look at those three words as we unpack it, because this is the theme of Ephesians. It's about grace. In Christ, but we only get to Christ because of grace. 
Grace is the thing that brings us closer to the Father. Grace is the thing that we wear. You look good in grace. I want you to get a tattoo called Stained by Grace. Cool, eh? My wife said yes. So the first thing I want us to look at is this word unmerited. Grace, it's unmerited. In verse 8, it reads as follows, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We have been taught from a very young age, if there is something we want, if we want to achieve something, we've got to put in work. We've got to earn it. Hey, I mean, we put it, I, I do it with my kids. I've, I've, I've come to realize, it's like, hey, if you want to get this, you have to do this. If you want to be in this position, you have to do that. It's, it's a culture thing. It's what we do. Because we never want someone to end up over there. We want them all to end up over here. So we have this thing in our lives where we constantly have to work, where we feel like we have to attain and, 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 and strive in order for us to become something or to be loved. Okay? And we approach the subject of grace with the same attitude. We approach God's favor in the same way. We approach God just like that. That we have to do something in order for him to love us. But it doesn't work that way. You see, the guy writing this letter to the Ephesians, his name is Paul. He was known as Saul. I don't know if he was tall, but I'm telling you, he had a fall. No, I can't carry on. I'm running out of words here. <laughs> but, but yes, Paul, he was on his way to go and find people, chuck them in jail, and hopefully kill them. And on his way, grace was thrown on him. <laughs> if you want to say grace tripped him, it was a graceful fall. It was a fall to grace. No, I'm going to stop now. I'm going to stop. He wasn't doing anything that merited God's favor on his life. And yet God chose him. Remember last week we spoke, you are chosen. And this week we see that we don't have to do anything because God decided that he will show Paul grace. And still reach out to him. Any competitive people here? Can I ask? Any competitive people? I see that. I see that. Who else is lying here? Yeah, wow. Check them point out each other. I mean, who's so competitive that even when you play against kids, you have to win. They have to go crying. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I mean, like, we even play cricket with my boys. And I double step that ball, man. Like, pop. But we are competitive. That is built in us. I mean, we, we like to play board games. 
30 seconds. Oh. It's the greatest marriage counseling board game. So we play 30 seconds, and we, we just like it because it brings laughter and joy and excitement to the house. But then we invited some friends over once, and they kept going, you know what? No one has ever beaten us in 30 seconds. And I'm like, yay, this is going to be fun. So we pull out the board, and we're chatting, and I'm like, realized we might need to do like um, marriage counseling after this because those two were ready to kill each other. I'm like, what? You see, because we have to become something great in order for people to like us. But grace is you don't have to do anything. Because it says there in verse 9, it's like, you know, we don't do it by works so that we can't boast about it. Because we walk around this world thinking that, hey, who are you? I'm Mr. Doctor. Saint, I am a saint. I am amazing. This is who I am. This is what I've done. And I put myself on a pedestal. But you see, it's not about amazing you. It's about amazing God. That is what grace is about. Grace is nothing you have done. Grace is what God has done. Grace is nothing that you can achieve. Grace is what God gives. It's because He is love. And we don't deserve it. You see, it's unmerited. There's nothing you can do. Who reads the Bible every day? Hey, who prays every day? Hey, who blesses people every day? In, I'm telling you, in traffic, look at people that pull your bless you. It's not about what you do. Because check this out. God loved you before you knew him. He ran after you and showed you grace before you were doing anything good. So what makes you think what you do now afterwards that you need to do something in order to maintain it? God doesn't need you to maintain it. He needs you to live in it. Living grace. It is unmerited there is nothing we can achieve that will choose or, or that will make God choose you. It's because of who He is. And that is why it is unmerited. Grace is unmerited, it is undeserving. I, I was trying to think of, I was telling my wife, I was really battling with an illustration for this. Undeserving, what does that actually mean? Hey, and, and I don't like using, um, you know, cliches all the time. Like, I was headed down the road and my life was about to fall apart and undeservingly I got saved. But I, I want to show you that it is more than that. My wife and I, we were, we just transitioned from working in a, um, I, from a corporate environment to, to go working for the church, and uh, we had to recheck budgets, and you know what? Everything wasn't working out for us, and we just like, I don't know what to do. So I went to go, my dad phones me up, and he's like, hey guys, let's have a chat. 
how are things going with you? And we go, no, it's good. And my mom looks at me. She goes, no, really, how's it going? And they poke and prod, and we go, hey, okay, this is what's happening. We're battling here. We need to cut down things here and this, that, and everything. And, and my dad goes, what will take the load off you? I'm like, we, we, we need a financial break over here. And he goes, we've got a house here. Don't you want to move in? I'm like, okay, but how much is that going to cost? He's like, no, you don't understand. I want you to have it. Put your house up for rent, and you come and stay here. Don't pay a thing. I did nothing to deserve it. And he goes, it is yours. And this is the thing about grace. Grace might be free to us, but it costs someone else something. See, it cost my dad, I don't know how many years of paying off that bond, but then he goes, it's free for you. And that is what Jesus is like. It cost him his life, but it's a free gift to you. We don't deserve it. And check this out. Let me use this example. Go with me quickly to Luke chapter 15. This is the story where Jesus is talking about the prodigal son. How many of you guys have ever heard that story? This kid decided, as he was watching TikTok, that life will be better if he will pursue a career like Elon Musk. And he tells his dad, give me what you owe me, and I want to go start my business somewhere else. So his dad goes, okay, gives him his entire inheritance and lets him go. And in this kid's life, you know, he's got friends now because he's got money. He's the man. And he spends it and loses it all and ends up having to fend for himself by eating where he works. And this wasn't McDonald's. He was working in a pigsty, feeding them. And he goes, hey, they survive and look how plump they are. Same thing could happen to me. And then we pick up in verse 17. It says, when he came to his senses, how many of you guys know that is actually what grace is? When we do stupid things, grace steps in. Because how many of us have ever just done something and go, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. But then grace still sets us free. Grace still liberates us. And so here we are, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Not just to eat tonight, but to spare. And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. How many of you guys have ever spoken like that to your dad? To any of your parents? How many of you guys have spoken like that to anybody Except my wife, oh, be still my beating heart. I mean, like, have you ever just used those kind of language, that words like, Salmon, I have gravely and deeply hurt you. So I'm sorry. Will thou forgive me? You know, it's, it's, this is what he does. He, he prods these things in his mind, and he goes, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. 
So he got up and he went to his father. This is the part that I want us to see. But while he was still a long way off, his dad recognized him. Do you recognize your family? How many of you guys know this sound? Uh, we, we would, before, while we were sitting up this morning, Alison came a little bit late, and she greeted someone outside the hall, but when I heard her voice, I'm like, that one belongs to me. I can spot my son a mile away because of the way he walks, runs, and how loud he is. Isn't it just amazing that God actually knows what you look like from a distance? Because that is what it, 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 it is. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. I used this illustration once. And I got a, I was preaching a different series and I got this guy to stand on the one side of the stage and I stood that side and I was explaining what grace is. And when this dad saw, he didn't walk or wait. He ran and I bolted across the stage and I jumped. I could see that guy's eyes go. And I was thinking of doing it here as well, but I realized there's no one that is in the auditorium that would actually kill, I mean, catch me. They were like, whoa, not today, Pastor. Not today, Satan, not today. But that is the thing. He ran and he jumped on him. One of the words we, keep, we kind of battle with in our time and our age today is the word entitlement. That I deserve to get this. That because of who I am, what I've done, what I've been through, I deserve this. And we go to the Father and go, hey, my mom served you. I deserve this. Hey, I have been a good person. I deserve this. Do you know how many people I made sandwiches for that came to my house? It was only that one guy that I knew was dodgy, and I said, he must go to the neighbor. It's a good deed. I sent him to someone else. But I did this. I deserve it. But it's not about what we deserve. This kid spent his dad's entire, his entire inheritance that his dad gave him, which kind of says, is like, you know what? You are dead to me. And he comes back, and before he could even say his speech, his dad goes, hold up, get a ring. Hey, get a robe. Get that fat cow and the tongue and that, and that, and that chef that can make it taste like steak. Because even though we don't deserve it, he restores it. And this is what it is. We were dead, dying, away from, and then Jesus came and restored us to the Father. He put us back in relationship with him. It is undeserving. 
And then lastly, it is unearned. How many of you guys know or have ever used that saying, it's too good to be true? If you just buy this, you will get that. We were in, um, on, the, on the East Coast. Can I say that? East Coast sounds so gangster. Um, we were in KZN, and we were going to, I was going to take my family to um, Ushaka Marine World. And as we parked the car, these guys came up and was like, hey, do you want to go into Ushaka for free for the entire day? You can. Let me show you what you need to do. I'm like, no, man, it's, it's you just, just come in. Let me tell you something. And when they walked us to a taxi, I'm like, run. <laughs> you know, I, we don't get into a taxi. She's white. I mean, look, anything could happen. But it was too good to be true because they wanted to sell us timeshare. And only once we bought it and spent like thousands of rands would we be able to go in for free. I'm like, no. It's too good to be true. We're like, no, take us back. <laughs> but it's too good to be true. Certain things are too good to be true. Who's ever wanted something free? Who likes free stuff? <laughs> Come on, we South African. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I had a, a bunch of friends, and we, we used to ride bikes, motorbikes. And one day, this one guy phones me, and he goes, Hey, Milo, I'll meet you at BMW. We're going to pick up some bikes. We're going to test drive them. Because that, that's what you do. You go and test drive bikes. And it's like, yes. And we got there, and I saw this bike, and I'm like, it's kind of a strange bike for them to have on the floor, but it had this big bow on it. And I'm like, that, that's cool. I like the style. And we carried on walking, and I'm like, hey, what bikes are we riding? And they, they pointed out the bikes, and they said, and, and me? It's like, and they walked over, and they're like, Milo, and that one's yours. I'm like, Cool but why does it have a bow on it? That's girly. It's like, no, it's not girly. It's a gift. It's yours. It's paid for. It was unearned. It was given to you. Yeah, but that's too good to be true. Uh-uh, Milo, it is yours. Check this out. Romans 11 verse 6 says this, but if it is by grace... It is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. A gift is something free. Has anybody gotten a gift? And when that person gave you the gift, it's like, hey, it's 200 bucks. This is going to cost you. No one has done that. Every gift you get is free, except the ones that come from your kids. Because you probably paid for it. But a gift is free. You don't have to work for it. And this is what Paul wants us to remind us. It is free. Because if it wasn't free, it's not a gift. If you have to work for it, it's not free. If it's free, you don't have to work for it. If you have to work for it, it's not free. If it's free... You don't have to work for it. Grace is free. God's favor on your life is free. His kindness for you is free. We don't work 
for grace. Grace is not something we work for. But as you read, grace propels you to do works. And this is something we also need to understand is have grace for someone else. You see, it's unearned. You didn't have to earn it. So stop judging other people. Just because that guy didn't come with you to church today or didn't do that reading plan with you doesn't mean grace is not on his life. There is no levels on how God favors us. He favors us because he's God. You see, we are all saved by grace. It's unearned. We don't have to work for it. It's unmerited. And you know what? It might be undeserving, but it's still something God wants to give us. So this week, as we go through life, don't try and constantly try to perform your way into God's good books. You're going to get angry. You're going to make mistakes. But don't take on something that God has taken off already. He has taken shame. He has taken guilt. And he's put on grace. Can I remind you something? You look good in grace. And this is the thing. It's amazing. Grace is amazing. So as you navigate through your life this week, understand that grace is all we need because it's amazing. Let us pray.